0: This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephan Cox. Today, unconstitutional sheriffs and the effort to recall them. A growing number of sheriffs across the state and the country have taken it upon themselves to decide which public safety laws they're going to enforce and which ones they won't. Snohomish County Sheriff Adam Fortney is refusing to enforce laws around gun safety and the pandemic. The Recall Fortney campaign, being led by my guest Colin McCann, is looking to hold Fortney to account. We talk about the history of so-called constitutional sheriffs and about what you can do to help in the recall effort. That's next. Hey, everybody. So in Snohomish County, citizen activists have begun a campaign to recall their sheriff, Adam Fortney, who is one of a growing number of law enforcement officials across the state and the country who refuses to comply with public health measures around gun safety in the pandemic, labeling them unconstitutional. My guest, Attorney Colin McCann, is the chair of the Recall Fortney campaign, and he is here to tell us more about it, including about how you can get involved. Hello, Colin. How are you? I'm
1: doing well. Good afternoon. How are you, Stephen?
0: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for being here. So let's just start here. First and foremost, for those of us who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about Sheriff Adam Fortney. Who is he and what has he done?
1: Sure. And, you know, thanks for having me on the show today. I really do appreciate that. Um, Adam Fortney was elected sheriff just in 2019, in November of 2019, on that general election ballot. He's only been in office for just over a year at this point. He was sworn in on December 30th or 31st of December of 2019. So... Before that, he's been a he was deputy/slash sergeant with the sheriff's office for I think 23 years. Used to be the head of the deputy association, um, the their union. He was the president of that for about 12 years. Immediately prior to announcing his run for sheriff, and then he's been in office now for, like I said, just about 13 months or so. And from day one, started making absolutely terrible decisions, um, and and with internal policies rehiring personnel decisions those types of things and then of course the pandemic hit and it was his opinion that all the stay home stay healthy orders were unconstitutional and, and would not be enforced so that's when we decided that it was time to file this recall effort so that we can hopefully bring some accountability back to law enforcement here at snobbish county
0: well so let's talk about those uh, specific Uh, charges there and the things that he has done during his brief time in office. Uh, It's my understanding the state Supreme court approved three counts for his recall. What are they specifically?
1: Sure. The first count actually, he didn't, uh, he didn't appeal to the Supreme court because that one, there was a second recall effort that had been filed just prior to ours. And it was on the same issue as the first charge. That being that he refused to enforce the law related to uh, coronavirus and the stay home, stay healthy orders. Um, the charge there being that he is the chief law enforcement officer for the county. His job is to enforce the law, not to interpret the law. And I think that you know, Justice Mary, you actually put it really well in the opinion when she said that the sheriff doesn't get to determine constitutionality of laws. And in fact, the state, state statutes so, show that the sheriff is not permitted to practice law. So um, by doing so, he has violated his own duties And that was the charge related to that. The second charge uh, was actually related to his incitement of folks to violate the stay home stay healthy laws related to, to the coronavirus. Now that obviously was born out of the same statement that he made, but the actual charge itself was related to him having caused individuals to go out, reopen businesses, um, not comply with mask orders, get into large social gatherings. There's lots of photos of him at all kinds of different events and gatherings with no mask, you know, no one's wearing a mask, uh, all those types of things, putting individuals, each other in danger. Um, And there's specifically in the charge that we filed, the story related to Bob the Barber in the city of Snohomish, which uh, listeners may have heard about. He's an individual who was out in uh, Snohomish. He's a barber who's like 79 years old or something. And he's decided that he's just gonna keep running his business. The states fined him $90,000. And when he was uh, interviewed and asked why he was doing this, why he felt that he could just flout the orders, uh, he said that the sheriff isn't going to be enforcing it. So he knows that he's gonna be fine as far as legal ramifications are concerned. Uh, Mm -hmm. The third charge then is related to, it's totally separate, it actually is related to rehiring of three deputy deputy sheriffs that were fired by the previous sheriff. And, you know, two of those deputies were fired because they were violating people's constitutional civil rights, doing, performing illegal searches, um, and then getting warrants on the basis of those illegal searches while obviously leaving out the fact that they'd already done the search, um, and then lying about it later to try to cover it up. So each of those deputies were fired. Each of them also has an extensive disciplinary record outside of those, those particular or that particular issue. Um, one of whom, since he was rehired, is caught on video actually pummeling a man who was handcuffed with two other deputies pinning him down. Um, and there's a video that actually is video and, and an article about that for and his name is Deputy Tweet. Um, then the third deputy that was rehired got fired again, long, extensive disciplinary record. He's been sued, he's being sued now again for a different incident, but he was sued initially because he actually took the life of an individual, um, shot a kid who was, you know, had been involved in a high-speed pursuit that was against department policy, uh, which Fortney was on the scene for. Fortney actually pulled the young man's girlfriend out of the car by her hair, pinned her to the ground, and then the deputy uh, fired two shots into the truck the cab of the truck taking and ended up killing the man um unfortunately which uh you know is terrible for his family it's terrible for everyone and it's obviously terrible for our everyone else's individual like belief that they are going to be safe when involving uh, law enforcement when law enforcement is involved um there was a million dollar lawsuit that was settled by the county with the family and forty decided that his that firing was unjustified and Brought him back with back pay, so that individual is back on the street, and again subject to other law or other lawsuits because he's uh had been for uh, use of force, attacking, having his dog uh, bite people. He's a canine officer, having his dog bite people when it's not obviously not called for. Things like that. So again, just putting dangerous deputies back on the street. Um, that's the third. That's the basis for the third charge.
0: Yeah, so obviously there is a pattern of terrible misconduct here in everything that you just laid out there. And in addition, he uh, is refusing to enforce the governor's stay-at-home, stay-healthy order. And as you say, he incited members of the public to violate that order. Um, It's my understanding that Fortney is part of a larger national group called Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers who believe that they have this duty or uh, uh, that they have some sort of obligation to disregard laws that they deem unconstitutional. What can you tell us about this group?
1: Sure, um, and you know we don't have anything. We don't have the, their internal records that shows Fortney is a card carrying member, but a lot of the rhetoric that he puts out is the same exact rhetoric that this organization is putting out, and his ideals appear to be uh, in line with their ideals. So it's an organization that um, they believe that sheriffs are above all else, essentially that they they trump all other law enforcement. There's no that the federal government doesn't really have power to to do anything, and yet they also are relying upon the federal constitution for making the arguments that they're trying to make you know the constitutional sheriffs and police officer association has is about their belief is that sheriffs were around before there were before the constitution was written right before there was any other type of, of law enforcement around we have you know when we were when during the frontier days expanding into the west it was it was sheriffs that kind of ran everything right they were there were no governors there were no mayors so sheriffs believe that they are the ones these particular sheriffs believe that they are the ones who get to make these decisions who get to enforce the laws that they think they should be enforcing and not enforce the laws they don't think they should be enforcing
0: I appreciate the clarification on that that he is not officially affiliated with this group but as you say there's some of the the you know earmarks there don't. Um, well,
1: you know, we just don't know whether he's officially affiliated this is like,
0: Understood. Okay. Uh, we do know that uh, other sheriffs known nationally are, uh, we certainly know about Je- Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Arizona, for right. example. Are there other examples of sheriffs here in Washington that we should be aware of?
1: Yeah, actually there's, um, you know, just from a quick Google search, you could find a whole list, right? There's the attack County Sheriff, Skamania County Sheriff, Lewis County Sheriff, who recently was telling people you know don't be sheep when it comes to enforcement of the uh, stay home stay healthy order and then the thurston county sheriff who is himself subject to a recall effort right now as well um so you are seeing these these folks all over all over washington it's a more prevalent movement and it's not something that just started you know after the pandemic it's something that's been going on for quite some time
0: yeah i mean you're alluding to this and i wonder if you could dig a little more deeply into it because you you say that it goes back to the settling of the frontier um, can you can I kind of connect the dots a little bit? Yeah, actually, there's an article that you have on your website that even uh, traces it back to slavery.
1: Right. Um, what, we, what we see here is sheriffs are essentially just these these particular types of sheriffs are essentially trying to run their own little fiefdoms, right? Where they are the top level authority within the executive branch. There is no the governor doesn't matter or anything else. Like I said before, because their sheriffs existed before the the governors existed. Um, So what we see is dating all the way back to, you know, the colonial times, essentially, where these individuals were put into power and they believe that even though the Constitution has been written, the branches have been created, and that we have this separation of powers, they are still above all of that because they came first, essentially.
0: I mean it's a, it's a really frightening read ultimately particularly in in today's society because you know ultimately laws are only as good as the paper that they're written on if our law enforcement refuses to uphold them um, let's talk about the recall process sure. uh, I, this is a very lengthy thing and so I'm hoping that you can kind of abbreviate it for uh, viewers and listeners but uh, just give us kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of how the process works and also where you are right now in that process
1: right so the the recall process is all laid out within the statute, so it's um, individuals in the state of Washington have a constitutional right to recall any elected official other than, I think, Supreme Court justices. And so, you go and you get a group of registered voters within the jurisdiction of the person that you are attempting to recall. You file a petition, which ours is it was essentially just a letter, um, like a 25-page letter that we submitted to the county auditor's office. So in these local elections, you submit them to the county auditor in a statewide type office, you submit them to the secretary of state. You then that person then reviews it. And just to make sure essentially that the people who have filed it are registered voters within the jurisdiction. That's the only thing that the auditor's office is really checking at that point. Then they send it over to the prosecutor's office, the local prosecutor's office. So uh, it went over to Adam Cornell's office here. He had you know, its deputy prosecuting attorneys reviewed it, uh, and then they filed it within the court. So we don't actually, as petitioners, we didn't actually file it with the court. Uh, we filed it with the auditor. The prosecutor filed it with the court. Um, the prosecutor also said that Courtney asked the prosecutor to to use county funds essentially to defend him on the recall, uh, which was denied by the prosecutor's office. Um, and. Then we go through a hearing. Here, all of the sitting judges in the Superior Court decided to recuse themselves for obvious conflict issues. Um, And because there had already been a hearing with a different judge, we got a a judge came down from uh, San Juan County. And Judge Catherine Loring came down. She heard that we had an oral argument hearing in front of her uh, over Zoom. And we did that. She made her ruling. Um, Then Courtney appealed it up to the Supreme Court. That's when it goes directly when the, this type of appeal goes directly up to the Supreme Court or to expedite it due to the, uh, the emergency type nature of the issue. The Supreme Court made its decision without a oral argument. They just met, reviewed the case, and then issued a, a decision back in September of last year that approved those three charges uh, two of, or well, the second charge on a six-three basis, and the third charge regarding rehiring of the deputies. It was a unanimous approval no of those of that charge to go to the voters. Um, so what we have to do now is collect 44,494 signatures of registered voters here in Snohomish County to qualify for the ballot. It is a special election ballot, and then once we qualify, that will be set. Um, we turn all the signatures in by March 10th of this year. It the uh, auditor's office has 30 days to certify the signatures, and then there will be a special election ballot sent 45 to 90 days after that. So we're anticipating those ballots to be sent out sometime in July or August. Um, And then it'll it'll be the only thing on that ballot. It has to occur actually before the state primary. Um, It has to be by itself, and it cannot be between the primary and the general election date.
0: What has been the response so far from people in Snohomish to the recall effort? Are you getting a positive response from this?
1: Overwhelmingly positive. Um, You know, I think a lot of people understand how difficult this is, but it's also, I mean, the biggest hurdle that we are, that we're running into right now is just the, getting the message out to the folks, right? Because we don't have farmers markets or other gatherings that we can go to and, and, you know, display this this, this, uh, issue. So we have to, we're doing a lot of direct contact with people. Either over the phone, email, mail, dropping off flyers, all those types of things that we're doing right now. And we have a phone number that folks can call us back on. We have an email address that folks can reach out to us on. And overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly people telling us, you know, thank you so much for letting me know. I had no idea that this was going on. A lot of people don't pay attention to who the sheriff is. Um, You know, I'm in a unique position somewhat as a public defender so i obviously pay a lot of attention to who the sheriff is but um you know everyday citizen may not worry about it one way or another because it doesn't affect their everyday life but once folks hear about the charges and why we brought this effort and we're why we're making this effort um they all want to jump on board people are out there wanting asking us for petitions to be sent directly to them so that they can have themselves sign it, have everyone in their household sign it, have some friends sign it, and so that they can then mail it back to us.
0: I'll ask you something that I didn't ask you uh, in preparation here, and that is, are you aware of any other recall efforts for sheriffs across the country? And and also, uh, are you hoping, if you're successful here, that you set some sort of precedent, uh, either statewide or nationally, with this?
1: You know, there are a few different um, efforts. Like I said, down in Thurston County, there's one going on. I think there are some others in other states as well. From what I... Have been told there haven't been there's never been a successful recall of a sheriff. So you know we're hoping to kind of not not necessarily set precedent. This precedent has been set within already within the uh, the courts. Right, the Supreme Court has already issued the precedent that will be relied upon um, by any other anytime anybody else.
0: If, if you I'm wondering if people will look at your specific recall effort in the way that you personally have conducted this and use it as a blueprint to do this in other jurisdictions.
1: We do hope that it will be it'll be somewhat of a trend in in that regard. Yes.
0: You are doing a fundraiser It's a Zoom seminar uh, and it is called the Threat of Constitutional Sheriff's. So people uh, can learn more about everything you've just been talking about. This is on Saturday, February 20th. Give us a little bit of uh, flesh out a little bit more what people will learn at that.
1: Right, so we have a panel of three actually, um, absolutely amazing speakers that are going to be at that fundraiser. Um, folks who are involved in, you know, political efforts in Washington State, Out, someone from out in Spokane, someone who does a lot of in-depth work on constitutional shares, has a newsletter. Um, she's a reporter, a journalist. She lives actually out in Dallas, Texas. So she's going to be joining us as well. And then we have um, an individual right here in Snohomish County who is a former former law enforcement, you know, 30 year veteran of a law enforcement um, down in California. She's gonna be one of our panelists also. And the idea is that we just want to, to help people understand what these constitutional sheriffs are about, what they're doing and, and why that is such a threat to everyone. Because like you say, the laws are only as good as the paper they're written on if they're not being enforced. And these are the types of sheriffs who decide they read a law and they decide, well, I'm not gonna enforce that one because like Sheriff Fortney said in his post, it is a violation of our right to pursue life, liter- life, liberty and happiness, right? So he he's made this decision on this case, he's made this decision, he came out and spoke about, spoke out about the uh, new gun laws here in Washington as well. Um, and that he wasn't going to be enforcing those as well as other sheriffs, you know, these are laws that are put in place for public safety. That's the reason why they've been created. That's the reason why they've been passed. And when you have sheriffs out here saying, well, I'm not gonna follow this public safety law because I think it violates my individual rights and your individual rights, then we, have, we run into a situation where public safety is put directly at risk.
0: And it's uh, somewhat ironic, particularly in the case of 1639, uh, which I believe he stands in defiance of because that was a popular initiative that was voted in by the people. Right. Um, you're encouraging people to contribute from everywhere. Uh, to this effort, not just in Snohomish. And you say on the site for the fundraiser, donations from outside the county are particularly welcome due to fear of retribution from this sheriff and his supporters. And I hesitate to ask, but have you or people you know been targeted for retribution?
1: Well, I I have not personally, but I do know that um, multiple individuals that are, well, I guess I I somewhat have been actually, um, personally, multiple individuals have have experienced that that are on the team as well you know we've had folks who on facebook on the comments section of articles about the recall saying that they want to find out where our petitioners live so they can burn down our homes Mm -hmm. Um, we have folks who uh, are getting that phone number which you know is open to everyone who wants to call it is uh, does uh, unfortunately also receive uh, a death threat or or two here and there um, on occasion these are things we also have heard uh, from people who are working on the recall effort or have the recall sign in their front yard or something like that, and then they'll see deputies just sitting outside their homes at all hours. Things like that. So, you know, it's and it it is something that that we are cognizant of. We want people to be safe, but we also need people to step up and and get onto the get into this effort because that's the only way that we're going to be safe if for the long term.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, God, what what you said is is chilling about. Uh uh, sheriffs, uh, parking in front of people's homes. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really intimidating. Um, I think the people listening right now are intent on getting involved in this in some way. So, uh, you know, I've, I, I will mention the website, which is recallfortney.com and that is spelled F O R T N E Y.com. Is there anything else that you'd like to ask for specifically from, uh, from volunteers, donors, people like that?
1: yeah well you know donors just please donate um we've we've uh we did a lot of work with with the public disclosure commission here in washington to make it that we don't have a any type of donation cap so um you know all donations are welcome from any organization or individual really and on top of that we are this is a volunteer effort nobody that is involved with our campaign or our committee is getting paid for the work that we're doing so we have a ton of volunteers that are getting out and putting boots on the ground to get these flyers delivered and distributed throughout the county to individual homes. We're doing it without having any contact. We're not knocking on doors and speaking with folks unless you end up having a random conversation. Really, it's just literature dropping, set it on the on the front porch, set it on the door, tape it to the wherever, whatever it happens to be to get that message out. Um, but we need more volunteers. You know, we have different aspects different areas of the county that that we have a lot of volunteers there's some where we have very few volunteers so we're looking to have folks volunteer to help us with that distribution of literature we're doing um, these blitzes of, of literature drops every weekend every saturday going forward until uh the deadline uh where we're going to be having about three four hours on a saturday afternoon well saturday morning we group of people to get together hand out a bunch of literature, and you just go and cover as much of an entire city as you can. So this weekend, we're doing Edmonds um, and getting a lot of folks out. There are, if you go to our Facebook group uh, or Facebook page, we have one of each, but if you go to the Facebook page, they'll show those events, and folks can sign up for them there. They can also volunteer just via the website. There's a link to volunteer there as well, and then they'll get all the information that they need. Uh, Our vice chair, Robin McGee, is doing a wonderful job of of coordinating a lot of the volunteer efforts. She's actually out dropping literature right now.
0: (laughs) Oh great. Okay. Well, hello to you out there, Robin. Um so I will have uh, information to all that the the Facebook page, the link to the fundraiser and also uh recallfortney.com. That's all going to be available at the show notes for everybody. Um Colin can I want to say first of all first and foremost, thank you for doing uh this incredible work. Also please stay safe and and be well.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate the time and uh... California.
0: And that is it for today. Links to everything that we talked about can be found at indivisiblepodcast.org. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at indivisiblepod. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.